You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. This morning we're in for a special treat. Mike Trigalth is going to be sharing with us and uh, and uh, I can tell you it's a nerve-wracking moment when you get up and preach for the very first time. Um, but he's uh, got something on his heart. As he comes up, will you all stand and give him a round of applause? So. We'll be hearing more from this guy in the future, I'm sure. But this will be number one. I remember the very first time I ever preached, some of you have heard this story, we had a, a wooden pulpit in the church and had one of those microphones on the flexible stand that came up like that. And I was hanging onto the pulpit and I was shaking so much with nervousness as this thing was flapping in front of me like that. So, so I know you'll all be gracious towards him. <laughs> yeah, you'll all be gracious towards him and encouraging. Would you encourage him afterwards as well when he's finished? Open your hearts to hear what God has got to say through him. Um, and let's be blessed. And Mike, we pray for you this morning. Would you just extend your hands towards him? Mike, we pray for you this morning that the Lord will speak through you, through his word, through your words, um, through your life as well, that he will speak to us and he will conform us more to the image of Christ every day as we meditate on what you've got to share with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Cool. Thanks, Ian. Um, <clears throat> It's good to actually finally be here, considering this week's been pretty interesting. Um, trying to get a preach written down was a challenge enough in its own. <laughs> with both our laptops cracking it during the week, and then Sarah coming in this morning with the iPad saying that, oh, your preach has been deleted. So <laughs> it's been, been an interesting morning of um, trying to get some notes down on a bit of paper. would have almost been easier to write it out and rock, I reckon. But that's all right, we're here now. So... <laughs> Today I'd like to preach about surviving the storm. Um, as we are all aware, life is not easy for most of us. It tends to have some absolute amazing highs and some also low, lows of lows. As we walk through life and get to the stages, what feels like insane chaos all around, everyone know, does everyone know those stages of life where I'm coming from? Was it just me? Seems like everything starts to crash around. <coughs> These times of complete chaos, aka what I'm calling today the storms of life, are times that when you're in the middle of them, they can feel like there's no option or end to it. But, have you ever wondered about this word, but? There's always a but at the end of sentences. It's driven me crazy my whole life, I reckon. Ever since I was little, for example, like when you're on your P's and you ask to borrow your parents' car, it's always like, oh, can I borrow the car? They'll be like, yeah, no worries. So, oh, sweet, got out of that one, scot free. But then comes the but, always. <laughs> bring it back clean, bring it back free, don't crash, oh, and be back in an hour. So, um, but I can assure you this but... Um, I'll talk, hang on, where am I? Sorry. Go away. I can assure you, though, that this is not one of those buts. These, this but is encouraging. Like I was saying before, when we're facing, facing a storm our life, in our lives, it can feel like there's no hope. We lose our sense of direction. It feels like there's no end to this, but you're ready for it. But through times of chaos and uncertainty and times are times where God can be the most effective in our lives. 
not, not just in our lives but in other people's lives. When we face a storm we're in, and we're in the right place with God, it turns from being a place of chaos to a, to a place of absolutely peace and closeness to God. That's got to be the best but after a statement I've ever heard. <laughs> All right, I better get into the scripture because I'm sure a few of you are thinking I'm a bit crazy right about now. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, can we turn to Acts 27? So before, before we read, um, read into it, some quick context. We're in Acts. Um, at, at the point where it's sitting at the moment, we have a guy named Paul. I've got an interest, interesting relationship with people named Paul. I remember, I remember in a story I went to a Christian, Christian school as a, as a, in primary school. I reckon I was in year one, five or six, and we had these, um, I think it was like a travelling act, sort of thing, come and perform the whole school. Um, these guys, they put out a question, who is Paul? I was, I was jumpy at this question. I absolutely loved it. I thought it had the best answer that could ever be for this one. I stood up with so, so much confidence and said, Paul's my dad. So, <laughs> for those that don't know, my, um, my dad's also name is Paul. The guy thought this was hilarious, and, but he couldn't actually prove me wrong because I was true. But <laughs> not exactly the Paul though after. So today, sorry dad, being Father's Day, I'm going to preach for, about Paul in the Bible, the Apostle. <laughs> so Paul's had an interesting time of late from persecuting, persecuting Christians to a fairly unforgettable time of Christ okay, sort of a storm in his life that turned, turned out to be an te- amazing testimony for so many people and in Christ um, it's been turned around he's now in the position where he's been persecuted he's currently a prisoner and he has appealed to have his case taken in front of Caesar um, at the start of Acts 27, he's just gotten to a ship as a prisoner and they're sailing towards Rome to have, his, to have his case heard. So Acts 27, starting from 13 to 44. <coughs> when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it, so they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. The winds of a typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to the sea. The, sailor couldn't turn the, sh- the sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up, let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of the small island named Claude, Claude where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboats and began toward ah, being towed behind us. <coughs> then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across, to, across the sandbars of Citus, off the African coast, so they lowered the sea anchors to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, our gale-force wind continued to batter the ship. The crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until, all at last, all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place not, and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will be, lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, 
and it will be it will just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island about midnight on the 14th night of the storm. As we were being driven across to the Sea of Adria, the seas sensed the land was near. They dropped away a line and found the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven across the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. The sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboats as though they were were going to put our anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and, and the soldiers, you will die unless all the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboats and let it drift away. Just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you have, haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for, for your own good, for not a hair on your heads would perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged to and began to eat. All 276 of us were on a board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship by throwing cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognise the coastland, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut the anchors, left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail and headed towards the shore. But they hit the um, shale and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure that they didn't swim ashore and escape, but the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry, carry out the plan. Then he, then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard for us to make for land. The others held onto the planks and debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. So, so this storm, we can compare back to storms in our life. In Acts 27, in verse 4, if we could grab that, John, that'd be awesome. Thanks, mate. Putting out to sea there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. We sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. Um, this can relate to our lives. As the trouble starts to rise, we can start to struggle and keep our life on the right track. As we struggle to stay completely focused on Christ. Then in verse 13 to 20. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it, so they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and the winds and the typhoon strength called the northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Claude, when, with great difficulty, we hoisted aboard the lifeboats being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound the ropes to the hull of the ship. To strengthen it, they were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Otis of an African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the winds. The next day, our gale force wind continued to batter the ship. The crew began following, throwing cargo overboard. The following day, even took some of the ship's gear and threw it in overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun 
and the stars until the last hope was gone. And just a little bit of verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. So it talks about the storm. It comes in, they raise the lifeboats and the ropes from the front of the ship to keep it from falling apart. How many times in life do we do that during a storm? For a rough patch in our lives, we barricade ourselves down, almost go into a safety mode, and try to fix things ourselves. We sort of shut down. We don't have the confidence that we normally would in Christ, and we struggle to see the pathway through. The next stage of the storm, that blotted out the sun and the stars. Now, back in those days, this was a pretty bad thing to lose when you're out at sea, as they used to navigate by the stars and the moon and the sun. Um, in the same way, when we face a storm, we can lose our direction. As we lose our focus on what God has called us to, our dreams and our future has us without guidance down the right path. So without that guidance and that direction in our lives, we are we're in all sorts. And it also goes on to talk about how they haven't eaten for a long time. This can also to relate to us in a storm. If we're not um, feeding our spirits constantly, Using, and we're using everything to fight the storm, we'll eventually have nothing more to give. So at this moment, we've lost control. We're going through a storm. We've, we've gone into the safety mode. We have no sense of directions. We are spiritually drained. And if we leave this unattended, we'll eventually be taken out by the storm. So the next part of verse 21 comes the, I told you so. <laughs> There's another one of those dreaded sentences that I've heard a lot of in my life. Um, there's nothing worse than having someone tell you something then try and then you try it and it doesn't work. And then you get the face. Trust me, I know what the face is. Why do you ask? Mainly because I'm married. <laughs> I, see, I see it all the time. It starts off with a cheeky little grin, then the lips move and out comes, I told you so, you should have listened to me. I love, I love this verse. I can just, my imagination goes wild with this. I could just imagine as the captain of the ship was struggling to fight the storm, he just looks up, almost meerkat-like, Paul pops up out of nowhere. So he starts strutting down the, strutting down the ship with a cheeky smile comes, <laughs> comes through. He knows exactly what's coming next. All of a sudden, his lips move. You should have listened to me. He's, pro- he's probably like, come on, I'm struggling to keep the boat afloat, trying to keep you alive, and this is what you're telling me? Really? Not only that, but now, now he's saying, oh, this could have been avoided. Um, how many times do we do this in our own life? God leads us one way, but we ignore him. We go on our way, sort of like Jonah. That ended up really great for him, sitting inside a fish. How many times does God send us one way, but we take our way? Plunges us deeper into the storm, leading us to some destruction that could have been avoided. But that brings us to this. What do we really need at this moment? We really need one of those good buts. And funny enough, as Christians, we have one of these in Jesus and his amazing plan for us. When we focus on Jesus and his call on our life, all, all these things start to change. Um, the storm starts to take a different shape. It's more exciting, more opportunity-filled, and less likely to drag us down. As we continue through the scripture, it says in verse 22, But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. Wow, that's some pretty powerful words just in that verse alone. When God calls you to take courage, it's pretty exciting. (laughs) But you know you're in for a bit of a rough ride. (laughs) 
During a storm, a natural reaction for humans is to pull away. We try and pull up the lifeboats in case it gets rough and we need to take an easy way out. But this might not be the way God is calling us through the storm. It's important that we trust in God and his promises over our lives and all that he has said in his word to build us up and encourage us. So some, some pretty encouraging scriptures to sort of look at when you're facing a storm. There's so many in the Bible that will build you up and, and give you courage. So starting with Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, the plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Also in Isaiah 41:10, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my, hand, with my victorious hand. And Psalm 121, verse 1 to 3. I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. There's so many of these scriptures in the Bible that if I read them all, we'll be here until Jesus comes back. Um, <laughs> but that's just, just looking at some of the promises and some of the encouraging scriptures there. The Bible is hundreds upon hundreds of promises of God in the Bible. Promises that never fail, they're always yes and amen. No matter what storm or stage we are in our lives, 2 Corinthians 1.20. For, for all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And, though Christ our, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascended to, glory for his, uh, ascended to God for his glory. Um, reading through these in the storm will uplift you, give you courage, pulls you closer with God, um, and also gives us courage to face whatever we might be going through because we know we're not alone, as we know that God stands with us, and to follow the path God has called us to walk through the storm, as it says in Isaiah 40:31. I think. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. By making a conscious decision to follow God and the way he has called you and having the faith in him that even though there might be destruction, there might be hard times in life, okay, the shipwreck, God has promised he makes all things work together for his good. We can take faith in that and courage that we're not walking through a storm for just just because we're going for a rough time, we know that God's in it. All of a sudden, we we start to get courage, and we are getting ready to do what God has called us to achieve in the storm. And He has started to give us direction to go through the storm. When we have direction, it makes the journey easier, even though it might be um, might be uncertain. We can trust God's word. Um, God is working through us, building us up. He's also building character in our lives as we walk through a storm, which can be used as a powerful testimony for what God has done for us and what he is going to do. In Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp that guides my feet and a light to my path. We gain direction um, when we follow God's voice through the storm and trust wholeheartedly in it. We might not know why it's happening, but we trust God that he is working through it and when and when you're out of the storm and you look back you can just go wow glory to you god not only did you lead me for a time that i thought was hopeless that had no 
no way out, no direction, but you turned a hopeless situation to where there was nothing and made it into glory, your glory and testimony. With direction, we also need to trust in God and keep your eyes on him. So Matthew 14, 26, 31. When the disciples saw him on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, for I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water, uh, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? So, Peter trusted Jesus and went out onto the water. He kept his eyes fixed on Jesus and his faith in him. He started to walk on the water even though the storm was raging. He walked in the way Jesus had called for him. That's a pretty powerful image that when we do that in a storm and we keep our eyes on Jesus that that we can achieve anything. But also in the scripture there is there's a bit of a warning, you could almost say. Um, when you're in a storm, if you start to lose faith and you start to look at things, what's crashing around around you, the storm begins to win again. You start to sink, you start to lose that direction again um, and you start to get overwhelmed by the storm. Again, this also happened in Acts 27 in verse 30. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboats um, as though they were going to put out the anchors from the front of the ship. They, in that situation, the sailors looked at the storm. They saw it as too much. They didn't trust what Paul was saying that God had called them to. They tried to abandon, but in the end, Paul said they'll surely die if they leave the ship. So in the end, they trusted um, and had faith. So have faith, don't be afraid, have courage in him and the way he's leading you through the storm. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat with God. So next part of Acts 27, verse 33. Paul urges them to eat something. In a storm, we need to take the time to refresh our spirits and spend time with God. Psalm 23, 1-3. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside quiet. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths. Bring honour to His name. In a time of a storm, when we take the time to refresh our spirits and build ourselves up in God, we not only um, build a closer relationship to God, but we also um, stop ourselves from becoming um, burnt out, we get to a place where we, can, where, God can, where we can seek his direction and the way that he's calling us through the storm. God wants us to pull close to him and give him what we're battling against. It's pretty encouraging when you're in a storm and everything's looking terrible, but if you go to Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, prayer about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. All of a sudden we've gone from a place of anxiousness and no direction to having God's peace beyond understanding. I know which I'd, which I'd prefer. This is, not only, this is not only good for us spiritually but also men- mentally when we're fighting through things to rest in God's peace and to rest with God. 
we are reassured that we're not fighting a storm alone, but he is there with us. And he has an amazing plan for it. So when we get to a place where, where we now have direction, God's tr- we're trusting in God, God's path and plan for our life. We have a peace and beyond understanding our lives, in our lives. We trust that God is using us and growing us in the storm. The storm has now just lost its power over us. It doesn't look so much like a storm. It's taken a different shape, a shape of opportunity and um, a shape of um, to give God's glory. So... Well, I've got through that a lot quicker than I was expecting. <laughs> so in closing, take courage when we face a storm. It's not, not a time to dread. It's not a time to um, fear of, but it's a time of exciting opportunity that God can use, not only in us, but in other people as well. And when we look back at most storms in our lives, we can see what God was doing and what he was building and the way he's worked. There's power in our testimonies, so that should be pretty exciting for all of us. That's, that's gone a lot quick. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Wasn't that great? Wasn't it a good word? And uh, I can testify that the storms are the times when I've grown the most, um, even though they're the most unpleasant times to go through. Um, I don't know where you guys are at in your lives at the moment. Maybe you've been going through some storms yourself. Maybe you haven't seen the sun, the moon and the stars for a couple of weeks like we heard in in Acts. Um, Maybe you don't know what's happening, but you can be encouraged that God is in control. He can see through the storms. You know, airline pilots have to learn to fly with instruments when they're landing in fog and storms and things like that. And one of the things that ends up killing a lot of them is they don't trust their instruments. They look outside and they, they think the ground is further away from them than it is or they don't believe what the radar is saying about that mountain ahead and things like that and they trust their natural senses and not their instruments. We have instruments to guide us in the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, in prayer, in worship, in fellowship, We have those instruments to help us fly and land this plane um, through the wildest storm. So if you've been living through a storm recently, um, you'd like some prayer for that, I'll invite you to come forward. Mike and I and uh, maybe Sarah and Mel can come up and pray and anyone else who feels that they may have something they can contribute. Um, But for those... Uh, for those who are not going through that at the moment, if there's anything else you want prayer for, please come forward for that. Um, question to ask ourselves, ourselves in the storm is why do we doubt him? Why do we doubt him? Why do we look at the storm? When we know from our own experience usually that he has been faithful through storms in the past. So we will pray with you if that's your need, that God will refresh your spirit. He will give you fresh vision and direction that he will deepen your trust and your faith in him and help you through those storms. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.